Welcome, everybody. It is a Monday edition of Dallas Cowboys Training Camp Live, and uh, training camp for the Dallas Cowboys has moved from Oxnard, California, to Frisco, Texas. And uh, so I'm Brad Sham, and that's Brian Broaddus, and uh, we are both at home studios because the uh, Cowboys have a night practice to continue training camp. They're still very much in a training camp mode. And I was thinking as we signed on here, I was trying to count and have failed uh, how many different backgrounds between us we have dis- we have dis- displayed here in the, what, two weeks that we've been yeah. doing this this training camp show? Yeah, my, my background seems to be a little bit more consistent because this yeah. is the one spot that I've found in my world that could do this show without me looking like I'm on the lunar rover or something like that. And so, yes. but I thought it was because you are more consistent. I thought yeah, maybe that was it. No, your background wins, the, wins it today. So I will work on my surroundings, but... The internet's the most important thing. So we're both look like we're on uh, good good spots today. Hey, so the, by, the, by the way, yes, sir. Before we get too long, everybody wish Brad a happy birthday, please. Oh, thank you. Oh, yes. sh- everybody, stop, stop. Everybody stop. wish Brad a happy birthday today. Thank you very much. Um, I I celebrate them by uh, jersey numbers, and uh, let's just say I'm not yet a wide receiver. Not yet. So, that's good. That's good. That's a good thing. I believe that I believe that nobody cares, but I believe that I am Ed Jones slash Travis Frederick years old today. Uh, anybody that's a Cowboy fan knows exactly how old you are today. Yeah, that's all we need to say. That's, that's all we need to say. I'm just double checking. Travis had the same number, right? I did, did. have the same. He yeah. did. He absolutely so, did. Okay. I mean, we. I don't want Travis to think that we forgot already. So um, the Cowboys are on their training camp schedule with a preseason game coming up Saturday night at home uh, against the uh, Houston Texans. Uh, And they're having a Monday night practice open to the public. One of four training camp practices that they will have over the next two weeks. And then they will go on a regular season schedule after they play their last preseason game a week from Sunday against Jacksonville. So we have last Friday night, Mr. Broaddus, to look back on. And I think as you and I were communicating by text message from the lunar module uh, earlier today, I do. I think it's appropriate to start off with the injuries now because yeah. as I told the Cowboys uh, Vice President of Public Relations, Rich Dalrymple, many years ago, the reason you have training camp is to find out who gets hurt. Right. And hopefully nobody uh, goes out for the season. So we have uh, Dak Prescott and his progressing to discuss. And now we have the new injuries that occurred Friday night to uh, Malik Turner, uh, Sean McEwen, uh, Ty and Secchi, and most significantly to uh, Neville Gallimore. So why don't we start with those four and then we'll talk about Dak and uh, fill us in on what you know and the ramifications of each one and uh, and what that'll mean, not only for this week in practice and in the preseason game, but going forward. Yeah, the unfortunate one, Brad, is the Neville Gallimore one. That one looks to be a dislocated elbow. 
And at best case scenario, they're talking about six to eight weeks on that particular injury. No surgery required, which is a good thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, here is a position that the Cowboys and, and you and I have, through our journey in training camp, tried to evaluate what's going to happen at defensive tackle. And Neville Gallimore is a big part of what could happen at defensive tackle. So this throws things into a little bit of a, uh, a problematic situation, if you want to say, because Gallimore is, you know, when, they're, when they're practicing, they want to get the reps with the first unit. Now they don't have him there. And so they're going to have to work some different guys in. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, the Sean McKeon injury is a high ankle sprain. Uh, that one is uh, going to take, while well, anytime, and this is one of those fears that you have in personnel, when the trainer tells you high ankle, you immediately in your mind always think the worst case scenario. You just don't, it's not something that, oh, he rolled his ankle. This is one of those ones that when you put the word high in front of an ankle, you tend to fear. Now, hopefully McKeon uh, will be a, a quick healer there, but that's another one of those problems. He was going to he was going to be on your team as your third tight end, and now it's going to be one of those things where you're probably going to have to carry him in through the, the preseason, through the preseason, and then into the regular season for maybe a couple of games until he gets completely healed there. Uh, the Malik Turner one, I've been told, is a turf toe. And the best description I could describe about turf toe is a, a jammed toe. And it happens very common when the toe goes directly into the ground straight. And then you hurt that joint in the toe area. It becomes inflamed. And it's a, it's a very painful injury. And it's one of those ones that doesn't go away quickly. Uh, you can monitor it. You can play through it. Uh, I didn't get any kind of a timetable on that particular injury, or, or would he try it? Here's Malik Turner fighting for a roster spot, fighting to be potentially uh, the sixth wide receiver or the fifth wide receiver, however they do their numbers. So uh, that's unfortunate for him. It's a very painful injury to deal with because once it is actually somewhat healed, every time your toe goes down, it plants, pain shoots up your leg. So we'll see how that go. Uh, I didn't get a report on the tie and sicky one. That one to me, I know it was a leg injury. I don't know if it was uh, an ankle or knee. I, I assume it was more of an ankle, more of a roll type of a situation. The way he came off, uh, no update. We'll probably get an update at practice tonight. But the other three uh, injuries I know were significant. Uh, as far as the Cowboys' plans to uh, to uh, build their 53-man roster. All right, and, and I want to come back and talk about, um, because this is really the essence of what we're doing in preseason and training camp is building the 53-man roster. And one by one, um, I want, want us to talk about the ramifications of those. But before we do that, um, Dak Prescott had an MRI. We, we've seen him throwing, so we know he's throwing. He's right. not cutting loose yet. Right. Uh, and he's, I'm, excuse me while I turn away from the camera and look at my calendar. Uh, we've got, w including this week as a week, we got one, two, three, 
we still have the almost four weeks until they play Tampa Bay. Uh, and so certainly three and a half before they start seriously practicing for that game. So have you, what have you heard? And have you heard anything that makes you question his availability for the opener? Uh, nothing for the opener right now. I did reach out to a member of the staff this morning and they were talking about, you know, I, you know, from our own eyes, watching him throw, you're right. Didn't cut anything loose, but was making all the throws that he needed to make. There were some outs, the slants, some ends. I mean, it wasn't like he was throwing the ball way down the field, but like I was told this morning, his arm is not ready for a full practice yet. And that's what they're working on right now is that they're, you know, they're limiting the throws he's made. Uh, he's really just thrown three times in 19 days. So they're going to have to build him up again is what they would like to do is, is with all injuries that they talk about. They want to get the player acclimated, get him going, and then get him ready for practice. So this is the most important thing to them. You know, once they deem him healthy, which they have, now mm-hmm. it's about the buildup and I don't think tonight we're going to see Dak Prescott cutting anything loose. He might practice on a limited basis. But, again, it's about the buildup, and uh, we'll see as we go uh, through these practices. I'm sure we'll see him be more and more involved. And I I didn't get the impression at all, Brad, that there was any reason why he wouldn't be ready for the Tampa game uh, on that Thursday night. I I think he would like to be practicing right now and doing everything. But I can't see any reason – to expect to see him on the field against Houston Saturday night. Can you? No, no, I don't. I really don't. I think it's, I think it's more, uh, I think again, it's more about, uh, you know, they were talking about this game being the one that you might see the starters go a little bit further uh, or the starters that haven't played getting some work. I don't anticipate Dak Prescott now. And <laughs> I, you know, I, I couldn't rule out Jacksonville, but, in my mind, I'm ruling out Jacksonville. Yeah, why? Why? Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's I think that's where we're at right now. Your quarterback is likely going to be ready for uh, ready for the opening game, but without any preseason practice. And it's all going to be him working against this defense in those half-line periods, the team periods, the two-minute periods, or the – periods where they uh, where they just bring the ball and just try and move the ball. That's likely the only work he's going to get this uh, this off, excuse me, this summer. It, it'll just build the suspense for the opener like we needed to hype that game anymore. Let's go back and talk about those other four injuries one by one and their ramifications on the rotations for the next two preseason games and the final cut to 53. Let's start with Enseki, yeah. who... Um, it appeared to me, just to the naked eye, I have not yet gone back and looked at the tape, but to me it appeared that he was much better than he was in Canton, giving some hope that he could still be uh, the, the swing tackle. And if he misses a preseason game, I'm not that concerned if he pre- because he's got a body of work. If he practices well and can play against Jacksonville a little bit, uh, then I, I still think I'm okay going into the season with him as my swing tackle. Now, that's that's me. What about you, General Manager Broadus? 
Well, I'll tell you what, though. I, I kind of, if I'm uh, in that chair, I, I'm, I'm looking at Insiki. I'm looking at Steele. I'm looking at Knight, who has been playing guard to play tackle. I, you know, the situation with Ball, the rookie, I, I don't think I'm going to get any help there. I, I really, really don't right this year. So uh, it's going to come down to Insiki, Steele, and do I have my eye on the waiver wire? Now, the problem with that is every team in the league has got their eye on the waiver wire when it comes to an offensive tackle. Uh, now, that's one of those ones that maybe you have surplus. You say, hey, I've got an extra corner. I've got an extra this or that. And you need one of those. And you've got an extra tackle, which is very rare, but... That's how we're thinking right now. We're watching the waiver wire. We're looking at these teams. The scouts are at these preseason games, marking down who's playing, who's not playing. And it might be that you have to go through and just go get you one that way. If you don't feel uncomfortable, if you feel uncomfortable with Steele and Insiki being those being those guys now well I, would, would you agree with this evaluation i me personally based on what we've seen in camp yeah. and two games i i don't think right now if they go with and second they're I mean, they're gonna let's say they're gonna keep nine right so we we know who the first six are we don't know who but biotish williams and mcgovern they're all going to be on the team somehow right so there's six and and it kind of looks like uh, Knight has just made himself too valuable with his ability to play inside and out and started a bunch of games at left tackle last year. Well, that would be seven. And, you know, now it, it, we're still waiting to see Steele. I haven't evaluated him, but I don't know why. I, let's put it this way. Based on what I've seen, please, uh, please opine. I don't know if they go with Enseki that they're any worse than they've been the last two years at swing tackle. Yeah, no, they, that's that's true. This is something a position that they've chased, and it's it's been it's been problematic to the point where they, you know, they've even they you know drafting Ball was one of those things where they're like, listen, let's go get what we think is a legitimate <clears throat> tackle, and and if you watch his Marshall tape, there's some positive stuff and. You know, but then the OTAs, he didn't look physically ready. The six weeks he had off, there was a little bit of strength gain. And then he gets out there, he gets hurt. Now he's missing time. How do you evaluate that? That's, you can't, you, you know, you're, you're, you're struggling. You're, you would, if you put him on the 53, you're doing it because you're protecting the draft. And, you know, maybe you feel like, hey, we can't put him out there and, you know, I have a feeling he ends up on a medical designation somehow, some way. You know, maybe they move him around and figure out a spot for him uh, that way. But, yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think the offensive line as a whole played better against the Cardinals than they did against the Steelers. And, you know, that, that itself has to give you a little hope. Uh, we knew and we talked about it during the broadcast. The Cardinals were a mess on their defensive line. So – take advantage of a team being a little bit of a mess on the defensive line. And, you know, some of the guys showed up pretty well. So that part of it is encouraging. Um, this is the Dallas Cowboys uh, training camp live. Brad Sham with Brian Broaddus. We're talking about the impacts of the injuries the Cowboys suffered on Friday night against the Arizona Cardinals as they go into 
the home portion of training camp. They are at home, but it's very much still training camp for the next two weeks. Let's go to the tight ends. Uh, and let me remind everyone that last year, uh, McEwen made the team as a rookie free agent. And I, including me, a lot of us just forgot about Bobby Bell. Um, and um, not Bobby, what's his first name? The Bell. Blake, Blake Bell. Blake Bell. Thank you. Bobby Bell was a great linebacker for the for Chiefs. The Kansas, Chiefs, number 63. <clears throat> and it's the, I was thinking of the Chiefs because Bell came from the Chiefs and Blake Bell went back to the Chiefs as a free agent in the offseason. But he was the third tight end last year, and he became the second tight end, actually, after um, Blake Jarwin was injured in week one. Now, let's focus in the fullback situation. As, as you made the point during the broadcast the other night several times, uh, Mike McCarthy would like to have a fullback. He didn't really have a fullback last year, had four tight ends. And he right. said, our fullbacks are like tight ends. It's clear he'd still like to have a fullback. Right. Well, right now, unless uh, uh, unless the rookie free agent from, from Argyle makes the team, Ralston, which seems to me a long shot, then, then what we're talking about would be um, keeping four tight ends again as – and using one of them as a fullback because of the neck injury uh, that uh, Siwo Olonolua suffered against Pittsburgh. So now, to me, the ramification of McEwen's injury is an open door for Jeremy Sprinkle, who they acquired as a free agent from Washington. He played a lot for Washington in the last several years. Pretty good blocker, hasn't stood out in training camp, but he was clearly the fourth guy. And now, to me, he has a great opportunity in the next two weeks to uh, claim himself a spot. What's your thought? Yeah, I'll tell you what, Brad. I, I totally agree with your assessment of Sprinkle. But I also remember vividly in that game on two kickoffs, you calling Nick Ralston's name making tackles. And so now I'm thinking – Okay, if if we're going to keep Sprinkle, who really maybe doesn't give us much on special teams, is an adequate blocker at best, is it worth keeping him over, say, a guy like Nick Ralston, who I saw a couple of times go in there and dig linebackers out with physical play. I saw him make two tackles on special teams on the kickoff team. So I'm kind of wondering – can I just go ahead and go, you know, with uh, Blake Jarwin, Dalton Schultz, and Nick Ralston being basically my third tight end and fullback? Uh, that might be something that might be very, um, uh, very good for this uh, for this team to have to deal because they know now they're like, well, man, Ralston's going to go down there and make plays. He's going to block. I want to keep a fullback. Why am I keeping a tight end that's just an okay blocker and an okay down-the-field player? So I think that's the discussion that they're going to have in that personnel room when they get down to the final cuts. Can we just go with the two tight ends with Ralston as the third tight end and fullback combination? It gives us something on special teams. Now, one thing that they could do is – Keep McEwen, who was having a great camp. Shame right. to see him get hurt. <clears throat> I think he's got the team made. Right. So they could keep him on the 53. Right. 
then put him on IR to recall. Right. You could waive Ralston with the expectation that no one's going to claim him and sign him back as soon as he clears waivers to take McEwen's spot. Right. What a story that would be because we've talked about this a little bit. I don't see a rookie free agent who I think was jumping up to make the team, but this might open the door for Ralston who who started at Arizona state and then finished up at Louisiana as a grad transfer. And as we mentioned uh, is from Argyle and he had a great high school career that he'd be a pretty good story. If he was able to jump up. No, absolutely. And you know, the thing about these games, the preseason games is you have to show up, you have to do something. You have to be that guy that's willing to do the dirty work. And, now, this guy's like a stuntman. You know, it's like, okay, bring in the stuntman and shoot him out of the cannon and let him go and all that, you know. And if the guy's blowing up players on kickoff coverage and a guy's blowing up linebackers on short yardage plays, you know, I'm kind of thinking if this is something he could do for me five, six, seven times a game, that might be worth it more to me to keep him and, and let him be a part of this because – He's showing me he's capable of doing those kinds of things. And you would save some money over Jeremy Sprinkle. Yes, you would. And, and, and again, he's, he's shown me more as a player in these games. And, but, you know, what we need to do is now keep an eye on, and you're right, the practice with no, uh, with no McEwen, he, Sprinkle is going to have to step up and make some of those plays that, uh, he, that McEwen was making when we were watching practice. All right, let's go to the wide receiver. Uh, you and I have both uh, been impressed with what Malik Turner had been doing in camp uh, in, in the two preseason games. Now we saw, of all the rookie wide receivers, and there's still a bunch of them, and they, they're reducing the roster by five tomorrow afternoon. So I'll be surprised if there's as many wide receivers Saturday night as there was Friday night. But still, the guy who got an opportunity and made – made me say his name a couple of times in the broadcast was Sammy Fajoko. Right. Now, without Turner, who we know has been a productive special teams player for them, to me, you please evaluate, to me, the Turner injury, however long it lasts, it opens a door for Sammy Fajoko. Yeah, Fajoko is a guy, Brad, when we studied him coming out of Stanford, he had a clutch gene to him, I believe. I was talking to Will McClay about this, and if you watch some of those games, big games, whether it's a UCLA game, he single-handedly won the UCLA game. I want to say he had 12, 13 receptions. It was an overtime game, caught the game winner. I mean, it was an incredible uh, game for him against Washington. Incredible. So I understand why and what the Cowboys saw in him. He showed up the other day. And you're absolutely right. You called his name, and that's the most important thing because you were calling Malik Turner's name far more than you were calling Simi's name. And, you know, and that, that goes back again to does the front office protect the draft? Do they say, hey, we're going to keep a couple of these guys because we don't want to lose? I know for a fact that the 49ers, they, I, I have a friend that works there, he called me the day, the minute that Simi got drafted, and he was sitting behind Dallas, and he said, they got a good one. They got a good one. And I was like, you really think so? And he's like, oh, yeah, they got a good one in that guy. So there's a team right there that was interested in him. You know, if you put him on waivers, 
he might be gone because some people probably evaluated his work in college and think, man, this is he's better than the fifth guy we've got or the sixth guy we've got. So he just happens to be on a team right now that's got, you know, five really good receivers, you know, and now he's trying to have to fit his way in. So I, I think the, I think with Malik Turner, you're going to see how tough Malik Turner really is because if he's out there practicing, knowing that his roster spot potentially is up and him, if, he's, if he doesn't practice, that maybe he might lose that, you're going to see a guy that's committed to trying to make a football team. And that in itself, you check that box for toughness because, A, he's having a really nice camp. B, he plays on special teams. And C, he's showing toughness if he's going out there practicing with a turf toe. Yeah, and that's a hard one. Now, I remember Russell Maryland getting a turf toe early one year, and it affected him the entire year. The entire year. Yeah, the entire year. Um, Just think, friends, about if you sprain. And it's usually the big toe, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And as soon as that toe hits the ground in any way, the pain just shoots up your whole side of that whatever side the toe's on, it just shoots up your body. And it's hard to, it, you know, there's guys that have it that won't even practice. I mean, Sterling Sharp, when I was in Green Bay, had it so bad, he wouldn't even practice. And he would play, he would take shots and play in the game. That's that's how severe this injury can be. It is painful. It's really, yeah. really painful. Uh, okay, let's now go to the most impactful of the injuries uh, and talk about, Neville Gallimore, who it looks like, as you said, he's not going to need surgery. That's the good news. That could have been a a much worse injury for him and the team. And he's probably going to miss a quarter of the season. Yeah. So now um, you have to look at – so they're going to keep him on the 53, and I'd be shocked if they didn't put him on an IR to be recalled after the cutdown. So now what are we looking at at defensive tackle? And and do you think there's anything out there that can help them more than what they have? Yeah, I reached out again to my front office guys, and, and I, I was really, really uh, curious about what they were thinking after they heard of uh, the injury. And – this is the response that I got. You know, they were saying, hey, we have to consider our numbers for the rest of camp and the preseason games and then see what's out there better than what we have. You know, it's not a panic spot yet, but it's something to keep an eye on. So they're going to look and see how Urban Odigizua, you know, Golston, if he's back from the uh, – if he can come back from the – uh, the hamstring again. That was a hamstring injury that was suffered during the conditioning run. So he's How about basically that? he's lost all that time because of a conditioning run. I I get the conditioning run, but these are the problems that we go into when we have the conditioning run. Golston can play as that defensive tackle spot. You know, we'll see what happens. Justin Hamilton showed up at the defensive tackle spot the other night in the game. So Tristan Hill. Where is he at in this whole uh, mess of things going on right now? Is he healthy enough to, to maybe get in these next two weeks and, and show that he's legitimately – he was making plays last year. Is he healthy enough to uh, be a part of this rotation this season? So 
I just kind of feel like that my guys are saying they're going to look at guys, but if it doesn't turn out how they think it might be, the waiver wire, a possible trade, could they call Geno Atkins? That's a name that people have thrown out there. Could Geno Atkins, a veteran, a one-year deal, could he look at this situation and say, hmm, it's this is worthwhile for me to be there? And But that 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 injury to Neville Gallimore is tough. Really. Yeah, well, he's their best. He's their best interior defensive he, lineman. He is. He is. So, so let's look at what we're talking about now. What, what do you reckon? Nine defensive linemen. Yeah, it. It. I think so. I. I man, it, it's tough because I think that you're where where you're at on defensive end. You've got the two starters. You've got Basham. You've got Armstrong. Armstrong, by the way, played much better last week. Right. Than right. he did. We, I, I was worried. I was thinking that he was going to have a, a game like that against the Steelers, but it, you know, against Arizona, he was able to take advantage of some situations there. So that, you know, that you know, Golston, do you keep him on just because of the hamstring injury? I mean, you know, there's uh, we Bradley and I showed up. Uh, it, has he done enough there to, to to make you think like, wow, he deserves? I mean, you could go. You could go six. You could go. You could like, keep ten. I, yeah, you could keep ten. I, I'm trying to talk myself into keeping ten because I know personally from sitting in that chair, offense and defensive linemen are hard to find. You know, you want to keep as many of those guys on the roster. I can replace wide receivers and running backs and tight ends all day. I can, you know, corners. I can find. It's those offense and defensive linemen that I have the most trouble finding because people think the same way as me. They don't want to put them on the street. They don't want to expose them because they, people snap them up because you just don't have the numbers that you need to have to get through a whole a whole season. So looking at the inside players, I mean, I know they wanted Golston to be the backup to Demarcus Lawrence at left right. end. So, And as you said, he can play inside, but you're looking at Watkins – you're looking at Odigizua, who I think has got an opportunity now to be a starter on September 9th. You're looking at Urban, who has played both end and tackle uh, for them. And you're looking at Hamilton. And uh, who am I leading out? Well, we were talking about Tristan Hill. Rondell Carter, I think, is more of an end than he is a defensive tackle. Uh, so yeah, Quentin Bohanna would be another one that you, that we haven't really talked very much about either. And, uh, and he, he and he was one of us thought he played very well against. Phoenix, I, he right? was much better against the Steelers than he was against Arizona. So, but he's you know they're going to throw him in there. They have no choice. I mean, they need a big body, and Quentin Bohanna has got to learn to keep the pads down because some of those runs that you called, whether they were the running back runs, the quarterback runs. A guy was blocking him down and taking him one-on-one out of a play. And then the ball goes in behind him. And if you're Dan Quinn and, and that and you know the, the defensive line, you can't have that happen. What, well, uh, as it's time for us to wrap it up. But I, I would pay some money this week for the opportunity to uh, listen to and watch Dan Quinn individually coaching Bohanna because that's the guy they want to step up. They do. Absolutely, yeah. they do. Yeah. All right. So um, that's it for the home training camp first edition of uh, <laughs> uh, training camp live with the Dallas Cowboys. 
Uh, the Cowboys have an open to the public practice this evening at uh, the Ford Center at the Star in Frisco. And uh, Brian and I will be back on Friday to look ahead to the Saturday night game against the Houston Texans, where uh, we will work together again. Um, we're both delighted to say on uh, the radio broadcast and where we will see neither starting quarterback uh, for either team. So, uh, Brian, thank you. Always a pleasure. Always, Brad. Thank you so much. Happy birthday again. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a great Monday, and uh, we'll see you again on Friday on Dallas Cowboys Training Camp Live.